It is Wednesday, August the 10th, 2022. It's Justin Shackle welcoming you to episode 47 of Tone the Slab, Pitching with David Cohn, a production of John Boy Media. We talk pitching each and every week here on this podcast. We do it with the five-time world champion and the Cy Young Award winner, David Cohn, the ace researcher, James Smythe, and myself. And this is a big episode. It is one of our, you know, firsts in this series that we've had so far, nearly 50 episodes so far. Our first catcher has joined us here on Tone the Slab this week, and we get to know Jose Trevino of the New York Yankees just a little bit better. And boy, David James, did he give us the goods? Yeah, he's a special, special kid, uh, without a doubt. He, his his personal story really gets into the background all the way back to his childhood, his amateur career, the influences. Uh, Coach Steve Castillo was a big influence in his life, the coach down in Texas at his high school. Uh, yeah, he really he kind of broke down and got emotional talking about it. It just shows you the character that uh, Jose Trevino has. Very easy guy to root for and a hell of a catcher. And he gets into when we spend a lot of time talking about the art of pitching. Well, he gets into the art of catching. Super insightful. Also, just a real, real guy, like showing a, a great human side as well. So you're going to enjoy that chat. It's coming up in, in a few moments. How are you guys doing? Um, you know, we're, we're, we're recording this. Uh, I'm with the Yankees in, in Seattle on this on this nine game, 10 day road trip. It's been an interesting start. They picked up a win. Um, you have. Uh, Garrett Cole going here, trying to bounce back from a, a couple of spotty starts. Overall, though, David, what do you, uh, you know, before we get to the opener, what do you, what are you seeing from from Garrett Cole lately as the calendars flip to August and we're kind of entering the dog days here? I still see a lot of the same stuff. He's durable. His stuff is still there. Every five days, he's, he brings it, throwing 100 miles an hour. I think he overthinks things at times. And when you talk about the overall home run total, and in particular in his last start, the three home runs in the first inning, it looked to me like he came out with a game plan trying to establish some pitches other than his fastball, and it got away from him in a hurry. And he ended, he ended up sort of hanging a first-pitch slider uh, to, to the third baseman uh, from, from Seattle, gave that three-run home run up at, at Yankee Stadium, ended up giving up three, three home runs in that inning. I think it just got away from him a little bit in terms of overthinking his strategy. We know – that Garrett Cole is so well prepared and one of the one of the guys that really thinks things through, understands analytics, understands scouting reports. Sometimes less is more. Sometimes the simplified approach is better. And you know what? You're Garrett Cole. You're Garrett F and Cole. Go right after him. First inning, first time through. Make them adjust to you. You don't adjust to the hitters. They adjust to you. Just get back to who you are. You know, you're you you're one of the premier, if not the premier power pitcher in the game right now. And uh, that should stand for something. So if I were in that clubhouse, that's what I'd tell him. You're Garrett F and Cole. Let's go, you know, dominate. You're the guy who, who can just simplify things and get away with pure stuff. As the game goes on the second and third time through the order, then you get maybe a little more creative. Then maybe you get a little better mix of your pitches, but early in the game, take it right to them, make them adjust to you. Yeah. The Yankees, as it stands right now, they're, they're trying to create, more separation between them and the Houston Astros for that top record in the American league. That's going to prove to be so valuable because really feels like performances on their respective home fields just matter so much more than other teams around major league baseball. So that's something that they're watching out for there. Wild card race in the American league is getting really interesting. We're going to touch on that later on in the episode as well, but also in the national league, 
So the Padres bulk up at the trade deadline, and then they go into Dodgers Stadium. And it's, I guess, another reality check against the Dodgers, who are just continuing to surge. David, you were on the call there Sunday night for ESPN, Dodgers, Padres, as we begin the opener here. What stuck out at you? The Dodgers are a wake-up call for everybody, the entire industry, really. I mean, everybody's measuring themselves against the Dodgers, their organization top to bottom, their farm system, the way they develop, draft and develop. They are the envy of the industry without a doubt. But the thing that, that stands out to me is the top of their order is the maybe the most lethal combination of speed and power that I've ever seen. Mookie Betts leading off. These guys can take you deep. They can steal a base. They run the bases. They play defense. They're so athletic. That's the thing that stands out with the Dodgers to me. And everybody wants to look at, well, you know, Max Muncy struggling or Clay Bellinger or the bottom of their order. Well, they're supremely athletic. The top of their order is unbelievably dynamic. Their catcher gives them so much surplus value. Will Smith is a good defensive catcher. Maybe not like Jose Trevino in terms of that category, but offensively he gives you all of his value in terms of uh, being able to hit better than any other catcher just about in the game. So yeah, the Dodgers are, are firmly established at the top of the heap. Once again, they had a little blip there. The Yankees were on top. I think the power rankings are right right now. The Dodgers are on top. But you give the Padres credit because I love what they're doing there. They've created such a buzz there with the trade deadline acquisitions. Juan Soto, their owner, Mr. Seidler, is, is a member of the O'Malley family, baseball royalty, you know, background to the Dodgers, Peter O'Malley, Walter O'Malley. Uh, but I love what he's done there. He's just saying, you know what, I'm going to triple my payroll over three years. And people were saying, well, you know, that's not sustainable in the San Diego market. And what's not, they've already capped their season tickets for next year. They've, they've got lines around the blocks to buy tickets right now to get in to see them play. You know, I've always said this back to my players association days, you don't judge the team year to year on the books. You judge the team on the franchise value on the back end. And what they've done in San Diego is, so dramatically increase the value of that franchise and the buzz around that franchise. I applaud them. I applaud the, the, the San Diego Padres. They're trying to slay the dragon up North as, as uh, the owner said, uh, you know, when we interviewed him on, on Sunday night baseball, and that, that's what he feels like they're up against the Dodgers in the same division. He's going to do whatever it takes to try to get there and compete with them. They got a wake up call and got swept, but they have Fernando Tatis jr. Coming back and it ain't over for the Padres get to the playoffs and see what you can do. Yeah, don't don't worry about the Dodgers. They're holding a playoff position, San Diego. The Dodgers are 16 games ahead. Sometimes they're just running away with it. Overall, the Padres are one of the best teams in the game. And like you said, kudos to them for really going for it. Even though the division door is, is pretty much closed, they're still going for it. And they're adding payroll. They're being aggressive. Even in a market that's smaller than Pittsburgh, their DMA market is the fifth smallest in the major leagues and they're making these moves credit to them. And they're not a baseball team. A major league baseball team is not like a mom and pop business. They, they don't own a deli down the street. They don't own a laundromat. This is big business. And this is creating generations of lifelong fans. There are going to be people who are kids now who are going to be adults many years from now that grew up with the, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, Padres, and this is what made them baseball fans. See, that's the cool part, James, because you said it, San Diego is one of the smaller markets in the majors. You hear a little bit of chirping around the big leagues from teams, executives in similar market sizes, wondering, oh, I have no idea how the Padres are doing this. Well, look, 
they're putting forth effort. That's how they're doing it. You got to spend money to make money here. And it's really cool to see. And I think you may be able to see the Padres endpoint, And hopefully it is fortuitous enough where some of these similar market size franchises are like, oh, oh, well, if they can do it, let's maybe take a page out of their book. Everything else is a copycat around this sport. So hopefully this kind of leads a, a revolution to where we don't hear so much about the have-nots around Major League Baseball and everyone can put forth a similar effort like the Padres. That would be incredible here. So kudos to them, right? Yeah, I love well, – well put on both of your guys' part. I couldn't have said it better. You guys said it better than I want to say it, so I'll leave it right there. But uh, San Diego is the place to be right now. You know, if you're in San Diego right now, what time's the game? How do I get, how do I get a ticket? And, it, and if, you, if you can't get to the game, it's what, uh, what channel is it on? You know, that, that's what's going on in San Diego right now. For sure. Uh, not, not a bad place to be at all. Gaslamp District, pretty hot. A great ticket to get in baseball. Um, all right, let's get to Jose Trevino here. Like we said, just a really cool human. I mean, the, the surrealness of, of being an all-star, getting mic'd up, talking about his background. He also talked about meeting you know, one of his catching idols earlier in this season. So a lot to tackle with the all-star. Jose Trevino of the New York Yankees, our guest here this week on Tone the Slab, pitching with David Cohn. Our Jose Trevino, the John Boy Media Headquarters floorball all-star. We, we saw your moves. We saw your tricks in, in the office a, a couple months back. But you're also a major league all-star. So when people 10, 15 years from now, they introduce you somewhere, you are major league former all-star player, Jose Trevino, all-star player, Jose Trevino, that title's never leaving you, man. What's that feel like? Um, I mean, it's a blessing, man. Um, I just, it's a lot of hard work uh, that paid off at the right time. Um, you know, got a little lucky here and there. And, you know, I think it's a, I think it's going to be a good title to have. David, I know one of your favorite parts of watching the all-star game was with Jose Trevino front and center in it and had to deal with, with, with the microphones. I think it was a really endearing part for everybody. What'd you think? I thought it was incredible. I think everybody lit up, you know, what, what surprised me, it really shouldn't surprise me, but on social media, the current players were lit up over that interaction. And, you know, I, Jose, I wrote a book uh, talking about the pitcher catcher dynamic and you guys captured exactly what I was trying to explain because sometimes the catcher leads, sometimes the pitcher leads, and you guys were just dancing back and forth. Hey, what do you think? What do you got? Okay, I got this one, a pitch to pitch. I thought it was remarkable. I'd love to see that in the future. I don't know how you do it. Were you worried about the hitter being able to hear you speak? Or is yeah. there another – do you have any suggestions how we could get that going in the future? It just was so I dynamic. I think um, – I think I think Riley heard me on one of the pitches because he took a – he took a really – he's a really good hitter. Yeah. And But he took a really, really good swing. I was like, oh, man, I think he heard that. So, like – I kind of was trying to cover my mouth and trying to tell Nestor. I just, I just started telling Nestor, like, I got you. Look at, look at what I'm, look at what I'm doing. And he's like, right. oh, okay, I got you. So um, I think I made, I made Nestor talk a little bit more than he, than he probably wanted to. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I loved it. I love the idea of it. I mean, I think there's a way we can definitely work that in the game, whether that's, um, you know, maybe we have like a Saturday night baseball and one is a regular program. And then another program is like, you get a mic up from a player, from a certain player, you know, they're, they're micing up three or four players and you pay to, to, 
to hear that player for the for the inning or three innings or whatever it is. But I think uh, the insight of it would be great. It's just like, you know, Coney, there's there's some things that are said uh, that you want to keep between teammates and between like whether it's scatter reports, whether it's something you got on somebody or anything like that. Like, I think I think that would be the only part that would be hard for I guess the producers to kind of cut out and be like, Hey, like if we talk about this, like we don't want that or like tell the guys how to use the mic and they can cut it off whenever they want instead of like on and off and then having someone like, Hey, can you cut that out? Or like, just if we don't want it, just boom, we cut it and we start talking and then we go from there, you know, but I, 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 I like it. You know, even aside from the television part and, you know, everybody else, the you know, the audience seeing it, I think just the dynamic, just the efficiency of working together for the game between pitcher and catcher, you know, would be yeah. good. That's what I, I miss that. A lot of it was body language where I'd look at Joe Girardi and give him that, 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 that look in my eye, like you dude, you're not calling the right pitches here, you know, and just kind of try to yeah. stare him off rather than shake. And that's all yeah. eliminated because you could talk to each other, or at least like you yeah. said, maybe Nestor could say, Hey, what do you think? And you could push a, push a button or Nestor would say to you, Hey, I got this one, you know, and just speed yeah. things up. And just that communication back and forth, I think would be so, so dynamic just in performance, much yeah. less the production value of it off the field. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And I mean, you can, I, I feel like there's ways around it. Like, I feel like you can make it work. Um, right. And then like you said, the dynamic of it, that's, that's the best part of the game, the communication, especially like not only when you're when you're rolling, like when you're doing well, like you're throwing, you're having a good game, like whatever. But even like the flip side of it, when things aren't going so right, like the communication of it, like, hey, man, like, what do you think? You're like, ah, that sliders like doesn't really have that bite today. Let's go with this. Uh, that fastball, we're not getting it in enough. Let's see if we can get it down and away or up and away or up and in. Like the dynamic of it, I think, would be would be interesting. And I think people would would learn to love the art of catching and the art of pitching of how much goes into the preparation. Guys, you know here on Towing the Slab that we like to talk frequently about the Yankees from episode to episode, but did you know that the Rail Riders, the Yankees' AAA affiliate team, plays only about two hours from Yankee Stadium? It is an easy ride on the interstate across into New Jersey and into Pennsylvania. So take a trip. Check out the Baby Bombers in action at PNC Field. It is a beautiful facility. They have great stuff happening at the park. Every single homestand. Friday nights, fireworks. Every single Friday. So you get a fireworks show every time you go out to the ballpark to start your weekend. They have great drink deals on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And Wagon Wednesdays, where you can bring your dog to a minor league baseball game. There is so much to do. So many more promotions on their schedule from now up until the end of the season. Check it out. Visiting their website at swbrailriders.com. The best part about minor league baseball, so many times you go to a game, there are so many experiences happening around you that you often leave the ballpark not even knowing what the final score of the game was because you're having so much fun with all that's going on inside the stadium. Best part about this, it's AAA baseball. You're also going to be able to feast your eyes on some of the top prospects that we've been talking about and guys who could be playing in the Bronx in the not-too-dear distant future so see the yankees hottest prospects make their way up to the big leagues get your tickets today by going to swbrailriders.com how did uh, how did the opportunity come about at the all-star game where 
they looking for volunteers to wear microphones or did they come and ask you and Esther specifically? Uh, they were looking for volunteers for a cash amount. (laughs) (laughs) Money talks. (laughs) But, but I, 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 I always thought it'd be cool, like to have a catcher mic'd up because you can hear everything. You can hear everything from the, from the pitcher talking to you, from the coaches, from the umpire, from the other hitters, from infielders, you get all that because there's people always constantly like coming up to you like, Hey, what do you got there? Hey, where was that pitch? Hey, do you have this? Hey, do you have that? You know, um, and obviously there was some, I, I honestly, I did it because there were some things I wanted to say, like I wanted to thank a bunch of people, but I didn't get the opportunity to because me and Nessa were going back and forth. And then when I came in the dugout, they were coming and they were like, Oh, you're about to hit. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, keep it on me. Let's, let's roll. I'll, I'll do it. And they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, just keep it on me. We're good. Let's go. So that's how that came about with me hitting. But then they started kind of asking me questions and all that. So I didn't really get to, to thank a lot of people, but it was, um, it was, it was an incredible experience. I think there is room for it uh, in the game. As you can see, they're starting to do it now. I don't know how they're picking the players, but I know that, you know, there's people like, Hey, like it's going to be this guy, this night, this guy, this night, stuff like that. So. We can give you a chance now to thank some of those people. You know, I usually on this, uh, you know, I want to know about you, your story, your personal story. I mean, it's easy to jump yeah. right to now. You're having a great year, all-star game, a lot of things. James Smythe will put that perspective for us too. But going back, you know, your, your history in Corpus Christi or your, your high school mm-hmm. career, Coach mm-hmm. Castillo down there. I mean, I've read some great things, some great stories. Your father, I just lost my father. I know how important that was to you back then. Tell, tell us a little bit about you. You're, you know, how you got where you are and what, what happened. I mean, I see your records. You're still a record holder in Texas high school baseball history. Pretty remarkable. So tell us about Coach Castillo and that relationship you had down there. Um, you know, that's a that's a big, big relationship for me. Um, I always said he's like my second dad. Um, I, I mean, it started when I was like two or three. So, like, nobody really knows this story. This story is going to get out eventually. Started when I was like two or three. He had just won like coach of the year or something like back to back years in Corpus Christi. You know, Corpus Christi has unbelievable high school baseball. Like the competition is unbelievable. The people come out, the people watch, the community's awesome about it. Um, and we're at we're at Gardner State Park. My family's with their family and they're like you float the river and you go for however many hours you come back. Well, Coach Castillo didn't go. Coach Castillo was reading the paper and he said, leave the little one with me. We'll, we'll play baseball all day. And that's all I wanted to do. Two or three years old, he would toss the ball. I'd hit it. I'd run and go get it, give it back to him, hit it, run and go get it, give it back to him. Um, so there was uh, these, the, you know, the little white powdered donuts. So I was eating them and I just kept on eating them. And I put too many in my mouth. I started choking. So coach Castillo comes and grabs me, turns me over and is hitting me on my back. And sure enough, like I throw him up. So this guy literally like saved my life. Not, not, this is the first time he saved my life, right? First time he saved my life. Um, so I go on, I, I keep playing. And obviously I'm the bat boy for his high school team at the time. Like I'm coming to the games, little uniform, going to pick up bats, all this stuff. Uh, so we build a, we build a good relationship with them, even like from a, from a young age. Um, and it, it got close to high school. I was in seventh or eighth grade and he had just retired. Um, and he came out and I think he told the media, uh, I had given him a baseball card when I was like seven and he came out and he told the media, he had a card right here. And he was like, Hey, I'm not retiring until this kid plays for me. And it was me. 
Um, and sure enough, you know, he went, he got a job at a, at a private school and, um, I was fortunate enough, you know, my Catholic faith was, was, was struggling at the time. You know, I didn't know much about it, but I was able to go to this school, you know, find a Catholic faith, have a good coach, have a good opportunity. And, uh, man, I, I, I went there and, and I, I still remember this day we were on the track. It was hot. I was trying to go to a, to a birthday party that night and he had found out about it and nope, it wouldn't happen. And he was like, you're not going, uh, He's like, you're not going. You're actually, you're going to stay at my house for the weekend. And my parents had to tell me I was staying. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, no way. And he's like, yeah, you are. And like, I still remember him turning around and having a finger up in the air and just yelling, you're going to thank me one day. Like, you're going to thank me one day. And it was hot. I remember we were running on the track. It was so hot. And I was just like, this guy's crazy. So, I mean, I, 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 he, that weekend was the same weekend. I still remember it as the weekend of the, the helmet catch of the Super Bowl with the guy with the Giants. I don't remember his name. I don't remember. But that weekend was a, was a big was a big life changing uh, event for me because he 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 sat me down with his son. His son David Castillo was actually a uh, sorry um, he was actually a um, a minor leaguer at the time with the A's. Y'all still got me? You still got me, yeah. right? Yeah. We're okay. Good. Yeah. Sorry, my fiance is calling me right now. Um, but uh, he was a minor leaguer with the A's, and I guess he had the 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 video to look at hitters and study hitting and stuff like that. And we were sitting down in a room. I remember we were sitting down in a room. And it was me and me and me and his son, and like we were looking at film. And all of a sudden, he stops. He looks at me. He goes, "Dude," he's like, "I need to tell you something." And I'm like, "All right, what?" I'm like an eighth grader. I'm like, "What's this guy going to tell me?" You're a seventh grader. Um, and he's like, my dad sees something in you. He didn't even see in us. And he's like, and it's up to you. It's up to you if you want to live up to that dream or if you just want to be another, be another guy. And sure enough, like, um, I, that weekend, you know, changed my life, man. Like he, and then after that coach Castillo came in the room and he said, Hey man, I need to know how bad you want to, you want to be a baseball player. I'm a, I'm, I'm probably an eighth grade. I think I'm an eighth grader maybe a fresh eighth grader. And he's like, how bad do you want to be a baseball player? And like, he just straight up asked me, like, how bad do you want to be a baseball player? I said, I, I, yeah, I do. And he was like, all right, tomorrow morning, uh, 5.30 in the morning, we're going to wake up and we're going to run to the field. We're going to run to the school. And so it, it ended up being like a three and a half mile run. Uh, but, but that night, that night I literally sat in bed and I was like, man, like, I'm making a choice today. And, and, and if it's either I'm chasing my dreams or I'm just going to play baseball and see where it gets me and go from there. Uh, but, but I'm either all in or, you know, he, he wasn't having any, any like, Oh, I'm, I'm kind of in, I'm kind of going to do that. And he would always tell us like, Hey, I want you to be the guy that comes back and thanks me, not the guy that comes back and says, I should have listened. Um, and that always stuck with me a little bit. So that, that next morning, uh, before he could even knock on the door, my feet were on the ground. I had, a, I had shoes on, I was ready to roll. And I heard, I heard a knock and he goes, are you up? And I said, yes, sir. He goes, let's go. Got up, walked out, moved around a little bit, straight to running to the school. We got to the school, had a little workout, hit on the field. And ever since that day, I, I, I wanted to be a major league baseball player. And he, he held me accountable for that every single day, every single day and still does still does so he's um I owe a lot to him a lot to him um 
he um the hall of fame coach texas obviously you got the message did you you actually hit 25 home runs in one season and had 85 ribbies in one season in your high school one single season there all-time state every, still a texas record every every goal he had a goal for me he didn't care about home runs he said um Every year, I want you to get 50 RBIs. From freshman year to senior year, get 50 RBIs. Um, and he'd just tell me, he's like, I want you to be a leader. So. It's fantastic. You know, it's a fantastic story. I knew it. I'd read about it. Thanks for sharing it. I know it's emotional. I know your father was there with him, too, as an assistant coach. I know you lost your father. I know that how that must have felt at that time in your life. Really, you know, a turning point in a young man's life. You had a great career. You took it to heart. Um, you had a great high school career, but you weren't a catcher yet. So you no. thought you were going to go to Texas A&M. The kind of thing, you know, that didn't work out. You end up at Oral Roberts. How does it, how does this catching career finally start? Um, man, I was I was at Oral Roberts. Uh, we had a catching coach there, and he was just kind of like, "Oh, you know, the scouts want to see if you can catch a little bit because you can hit." Um, so I, I was trying it. Um, I had, I had two guys there, Coach Fulmer and, and, and Ag. We called this guy Ag, Brian Aguilar. Um, Ag's played a little bit of minor league baseball. Coach Fulmer played a little bit of minor league baseball. Um, and they would just, like, put the machine on 100 and be like, hey, catch it. Like, just just catch it make it look easy. And I'm like, dang, man, it's kind of hard to do. Like, and, you know, just kind of the basic stuff. Uh, and then that year rolled on. My freshman year rolled on, didn't catch. Sophomore year came around. I started catching a little bit more. You know, scouts wanted to see it, so I did it. Um, and then junior year came around, and I caught, played short. I think I played third, but mostly short. Um, and then I, I, I mean, I took all those lessons they they gave me in college, and I was just like, all right, I'm trying in pro ball. Um, I got drafted a second baseman. I didn't know what was going to happen. I just knew I needed multiple gloves. Um, so I ended up going to the minor leagues in Spokane, Washington. I get there the first day and I still remember his name, Riley Westman, you know, uh, he peeked his head around the corner. He's like, Hey, it's nice to meet you, Riley. And I'm like, Jose. And he goes, did you get that stuff in your locker? And I'm like, that big bag full of catcher's gear. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I don't know someone dropped it in there. He goes, no, that's yours. And I'm like, all right. He goes, you got a glove. And I'm like, yeah, I got their base glove. And he goes, no catcher's mitt. I was like, no, he goes, you got an agent. And I'm like, yeah, I got an agent. He goes, tell him to overnight you too. I'll see you in 15 minutes outside uh, and bring that stuff that's in your bag. So I, I put on the gear and, and I mean, he, he taught me a lot about it, man. And I stunk. I was not good. Like I, like my teammates would tell me I was not good. Uh, and I, I just, I mean, it was a tough, it was a tough short season for me because the first half of the short season, I played third base, played second short, wherever they needed me. But the second half, Oh boy. I caught a little bit more <laughs> and it just didn't, it just wasn't working out for me. Uh, so I, I mean, I went into that off season and I, I, I had a conversation with myself again and I was like, do I want to be a big leaguer? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yes, of course. All right. We'll do anything we can to get there. And I, I ended up, I got my signing bonus. Um, I built a batting cage in my backyard. I bought a pitch machine and I just, I started, you know, receiving baseballs, blocking baseballs, transfers, anything you think of, like, defensively, I just tried to get really, really good at. Like, I was like, I'm not, I'm going to be the best at it. I want to be the best. Um, 
And then that's how it kind of just started. And then I loved it, man. I love the position. I love it. Like if somebody were to tell me at 12 years old, like, Hey, you're going to be a major league catcher. I'd be like, no, I'm not. I'm going to be the next Derek Jeter shortstop. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I like the route that I'm on. I love, I love the position, you know, and growing to, to help others. Like I want to help others learn this position, you know, cause there's still room for me to learn, but I feel like I can help younger, the younger guys. So after that year in short season transitioning to catcher, what did the organization tell you in terms of what they yeah. saw in you as a backstop? Yeah. They just said, you're going to be a catcher. You're going to be a catcher. You have the leadership skills. We need you to catch more games. We need you to, you know, call games. Um, and we need you to hit. So I went to to Hickory and, you know, after that, the rest is history. I'm, I'm here mm-hmm. in New York Yankee as a catcher. All-star catcher. All-star catcher. Nobody could ever take that away from you. Yeah. And you <laughs> yeah. are the first big leaguer that Coach Castillo ever had, right? I mean, yeah, I took a lot of pride in that. Um, yeah. I didn't know that. I, I just assumed that he had, you know, billion – yeah, uh, big Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame coach from Texas, right? He had yeah. to have yeah. several. No, you're it. You're the yeah. guy. Yeah. He he told me he was like, I don't have any big leaguers, and he's like, when you when you become a big leaguer, he's like, I I can die happy man. Uh, so uh, he was the first phone call I made, and I said, Hey, I know you have one big leaguer, and now you have one All Star. Yes. And he was like, he was like, All right. He was, he was happy for me. That's so. great. Fantastic. Yeah. From catching being a, uh, a bit of a project starting your career to probably the best defensive catcher in the game right now, whether it's receiving any of the advanced metrics, defensive runs saved, outs above average, have Jose either first or first by a mile outs, uh, defensive run saved in the strike zone. Trevino has doubled up the league in catcher framing runs on StatCast almost doubling up the league, plus 10. No one else has more than plus six. So, Jose, coming to catching later than many other guys who might be in the big leagues right now, what went into the receiving portion of the catching skills? I mean, it's been – it's changed. The game's evolving. Like, every year it feels like something is coming back. Like, whether it's – you know, I remember one year, maybe like two or three years ago, everybody was looking for guys with high four seamers and big breaking balls down. Now sinker balls are coming back with velo. You know, the game's evolving. Catching, mm-hmm. you know, catching goes from traditional stance to one knee stance. Um, I had a hard time with that. I was like, I'm not gonna do that. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go down no knee. That looks lazy, you know. Uh, but then I had some people sit down. Bobby Wilson, Alex Berg, those guys sat down with me and they go, Look, man, you can help your team out. You can literally help your team out by gaining a strike. Uh, and I'm all for it, man. I'm, I'm a team guy. Like, I want to win more than anybody on that field. Like, I, you point to somebody and be like, yeah, that guy wants to win more. I'm like, no, he won't. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. So when they sat me down and they were like, hey, um, this can help your team. This can help your pitcher. This can help you. This can help everybody. Um, that's really all I wanted to do was help my teammates out, uh, help my pitchers out. and to get a count from go, I, I talk about this all the time to get a count from going from, from one, one to two, one or one, two, that's a huge count. You can ask Coney. That's a huge count. That's a huge count, especially as a hitter too. That's a huge count. So you, if, if I can go and, 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 and I can get Coney some room three inches off the plate for a strike to get the count of one, two, 
you know, everybody's seen Coney's breaking ball. So, you know, he can throw that or he can throw the fastball. You know, he can do he can do anything he wants at that point. You know, we have the hitter in, in, in kind of like a jam. Uh, but if we go 2-1, you know, options are getting limited. We need to throw a strike maybe. Maybe we need to land something. Like, it, it, it gets kind of tied. But I, I feel like I took a lot of pride in that. And I was like, man, I can really help my teammates out here. So I'm going to do that. Like, I, I just – I'm going to – experiment with it i'm going to see where it goes and and we'll go from there you know that that kind of jump in there real quick just just uh, on that issue the catching on one one knee a lot of old-time players you know they still take uh, take issue with it you know it's it's a contentious point for you do you give up something in blocking do you you, i mean what do you what's the price to pay i mean you're already down there on one knee anyway i mean can you dispel any of those myths that are out there from a lot of the old-time guys that say hey Uh, you can't move you can't you can't block as well are you giving up anything being on one knee I uh there's I have no disrespect towards any of the uh, any anybody that says anything about you know the one knee down stuff if anything I would want them to come and 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 come come with me to a workout come come work out with me one day let me explain just let me explain what I'm doing why I'm doing it and then if you know if they're up for it like put on some catcher's gear and we'll we'll get you down there and we'll see what we got like maybe it's easier for you maybe because there's been people that are like man like I wish I would have done this at a younger, at a younger age, you know, my career could have been three years longer, you know? Uh, but there, I, I got no disrespect. I mean, people are going to say like, Oh, you know, it looks lazy. It looks like that. You're going to miss blocks. You're going to do that. You put yourself in a good position to block. You can get up and throw, you can receive baseballs. Um, I, I, I think it's, I think it's been great. You know, it's helped me evolve my game. It's helped my teammates. Um, and then obviously all the defensive categories like that, that's just me just wanting to help out my teammates, man, honestly. So, so it doesn't hurt you blocking balls. It doesn't hurt your pop time, popping up and throwing, throwing the baseball. It certainly helps your framing because you're at the top notch, top shelf, and especially the low strikes. You're, you're an expert at that all over the yeah. zone, really. So yeah. you think it's all positive. There's nothing you have to give I, up at all. I, I, the only thing I would say is like the footwork stuff was kind of hard at first. Uh, but I feel like I took, like I said, like I took a detailed off season into it and was like, Ooh, okay, this is what I need to feel in order to feel in rhythm. But I would say that would, that would be the only thing that would have been the only thing, but now I feel so comfortable with it. Like, it's like, man, I, I, I like this. Do you think it helps, uh, regarding, uh, wear and tear over the course of a long season? Um, I would say yes. I would say yes. Uh, depending on how you move back there. Because there's some stuff, like, there's a lot of things that go into it, man. Like, honestly, like, moving around, getting into a position. And, like, what people focus on, like, like everybody always talks about, oh, he's on a knee. Well, nobody ever focuses on, like, how do you get to that one knee stance? How do you put yourself in good positions to catch that ball that is on the outside corner that, you know, is just off, but you make it look like a strike? Like, how do people get there? Like, some people, what I think, are teaching it a little different where they're like, okay, just get in a one-knee stance and catch the ball. But, like, in a game, like, if if I get in a one-knee stance and I go to one side of the plate, Coney will tell you something's going on. Somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to see that. Something's going to happen. You know, so for me, I think it's about getting in those positions and learning how to get in that position first and then catch the ball. A couple of minutes ago, you were talking about how some of the pitching trends, they continue to change year over year. Is there that one big pitching trend that sticks out to you the most in 2022? Yeah. Uh, guys are throwing like these bigger breaking balls. Um, 
just like wiping them out. Like they're like, they're not sliders. They're not curveballs. They're kind of slurvy, but they're like grabbing, they're grabbing the air and it's just taking off. But yeah, I, I, that's one of the biggest ones right now. You're seeing, you're seeing everybody wanting to throw it. Everybody trying to throw it. Um, and I mean, some of them, most of them are, are pretty good. Um, and most guys can land up for strike. So it's, it's pretty good. How yeah, difficult. Hit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, how yeah. difficult are they to catch? Yeah, they're difficult to catch, difficult to hit, uh, you know, but like everything, like honestly with everything else, it's like, it's like seeing a hundred now, like guys are throwing, oh, this guy's got 98. You're like, oh, okay. You go out there. It's like, oh, okay. You know, as like 10, 15 years ago, this guy's like 98. He's like, oh man, this guy throw hard, you know? And like, that's not a knock on anybody, but like, you know, you get used to it. It's just like anything. Like if you were to go in a batting cage for a week and sit there and watch a hundred, just watch, just watch a hundred. You're going to get used to it. Um, and I think that's what happens in baseball. Like, you know, you get used to it over time. You're like, okay, I I've seen this. I've seen this. It's like a computer. It's like data in your brain, like a computer storage system. And you're like, okay, yeah, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. I've seen this before. And you just start to get used to it. You know, it, moving forward, there's uh, I just want to get your opinion real quickly. Talk about the rules changes, the pitch clock potentially coming, mm-hmm. the shift, mm-hmm. uh, automated strike zone. I, I, I think I know how you're going to feel about that one, but do you guys talk about it? Do you have any opinions you want to share? I'm not trying to put you on the line I mean, here, but no, 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 no. That's a good, those are good. Those are great questions. I love those questions. Um, pitch clock, you know, will it speed up the game? Maybe. Yeah. Um, but then it also puts guys in rhythm. It also puts pitchers in rhythm, it puts catchers in rhythm, puts the game in rhythm. Uh, so, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I don't know what the, what the time will be, but I, I try to keep it between like 13, 15 seconds maybe right. between pitches like you want to keep it like rolling you know and I know some guys like to take their time get around the mound like that's cool do what you got to do but um I, I I like to keep the guys kind of like in a rhythm um as for the shift stuff I mean you're going to see more action man you're going to see more guys hitting hitting for average um you're going to see DJ hit 500 uh <laughs> that guy's unbelievable uh, and you're going to see, like, you're going to see more guys hit for average. So more action in the game will happen. Um, I mean, we'll, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I think it is coming. I think that if there's one that's coming, I think it's that one. Um, and then the automated ball strike zone, like, there's, a, there's an art to what catchers do. There's an art to what pitchers do. There's an art to hitting. Like this, this beautiful game of baseball isn't a science, man. Like as much as like you can grab some science, I'll say some science, but most of the time, man, it's an art and it's an art to go watch DJ LeMay. You hit a ball to right center. It's an art to see judge hit a ball to left field, 495 feet. It's an art to see Garrett Cole throw a fastball that it's, it's, and like, it's, it's art, man. Like, and for guys to 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 want to have the automated ball strikes, but man, I just think it's like it takes the human element out. It takes that close call out. It takes everything out of you know the chirping. It takes you know, hey, we need that pitch too. You know, it takes that out of the game, man. And and I feel like there's been guys before me. I know guys before me that have made a living off of catching, man, and. And they always told me, they're like, hey, man, like, if you're not able to hit, like, go out there and catch. Go out there and catch and give everything you have when you're catching, you know. And I, I feel like we are we would take it out of the game, man. We would take a lot of 
good receiving catchers out of the game. And I believe like the catching position is starting to grow, especially in kids now Like they're watching everything we're doing, man. And I feel like if they take that out, like you're just going to put anybody back there. You're going to put anybody back there. So um, I, I, that's, that's my opinion on it. Um, I, I, I feel like it's an art and, and, and I've worked so hard on this, on this painting that it would, it would, I feel like it would, it would, it would not be good. Um, but then again, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I understood that. And I expected that answer. Absolutely. I know you have, you, you've worked hard enough to make yourself the best at doing it. And I, I've heard there might be kind of a hybrid situation, maybe a challenge system where there's not automated strike all on every pitch, but maybe seventh inning, a really bad call. You could challenge it. Like you, the yeah. catcher could challenge it. Yeah. Put it yeah. in the hands of the players themselves, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Once or twice a I, game might be interesting. Yeah, I mean that's that that's interesting stuff, man. If that's going to grow the game, like this, ultimately, like I'm playing this game for for the people in the future. Like I want that kid from South Texas to be like, hey, man, like I want to catch, like I want to be like Jose, you know. Like ultimately, like when I'm when I'm gone from this game, like I just want to leave it better than I found it. People, this is your chance to turn big league action into big winnings with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Right now, new customers can bet just five bucks on any game and get $100 in free bets instantly. Plus, all customers can combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. At DraftKings Sportsbook, You'll be able to bet on your favorite batter to hit a double in his next plate appearance, your favorite pitcher's next pitch to be a strike, and so much more. We have entered the dog days, but they are exciting. There are some interesting division races still to be sorted out. The wild card races are tight as well. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code SLAB. That's S-L-A-B. New customers can make any $5 bet and get $100 in free bets instantly. That's promo code SLAB only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. MLB trademarks used with permission. Jose, you guys and the Yankees were recently in St. Louis, and I know you were a big Albert Pujols fan growing up, but I, I think, judging by your, your chat with Chris Rose on the Rose rotation earlier this season, you had not met Yadier Molina in person. Did you get a chance to catch up with Yadier when you were at Bush Stadium? Just uh, the first game, no. I was a little nervous. Uh, I just said, like, hey, how's it going? Like, didn't kind of want to make eye contact or anything, but, you know, I mean, uh, the, the last game, I, I I told him, I said, thank you, man. Like, I literally, like, modeled my game after you. Like, I wore my hat backwards under my helmet because of you. Um, you know, I wanted to throw people out because of you. And, like, to be totally honest, like, the whole one knee thing, like, it honestly stemmed from Yachty. Because, like, if you go back and look at Yachty blocking, like, Wainwright's breaking balls, he's on a knee. And even though he doesn't start there, he gets to it. And, like, it's, like, the perfect thing. Like, I think it was one of my at-bats the third day. You can actually I, – I, I could probably find the video. But, like, I think somebody throws a breaking ball in the dirt and he goes down to a knee and just, like, graceful, like, block right there on home plate. And I turn to him and I'm like, damn, that was good, bro. Like, <laughs> that was sick. And he kind of looked at me and kind of, like, winked at me. And I'm like, yeah, but no, you don't need to wink at me, bro. I know. Like, that was really good. Uh <laughs> 
but that's I, a great but point. I he it. was one of the first yeah. ones to do it. You know, Benito Santiago, mm-hmm. Tony Pena yeah. were on one yep. knee, throwing from their knees back in the day. But yep. you're right, Yadier was the one that kind of kind of brought it in. And it's like fluid. Like what he does is like fluid, man. It's like a it, it's like an art. It's like an art. And I, I the my last at bat, uh, I made sure to thank him, man, because like he he he's leaving the game better than he found it, man. And he's inspiring so many guys, man. Like so many guys just like, man, I want to be like Yachty. And, you know, there was guys before that were like, man, I want to be like this guy. I want to be like this guy. Yachty's that guy, man. Yachty's that guy for me. Um, and it was really cool to like, you know, be in the same catching box as him. Like it was, it was really cool. When you're comparing facing just a, a pitcher, any random pitcher as a hitter, and then, you have to face Adam Wainwright and his battery mate, Yadier Molina. Is that a handicap match for the hitter in the batter's box? Yeah, that's why I struck out twice. I got the, I mean, they, they have more experience than me. I let them have it, you know, you know, all that stuff. No, I mean, that that's like, that's so cool. Like, I think that's one of the coolest things. Like, those guys have been, like, riding together for that long, man. And I think it's just, like, it's good for them. It's good for 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 the Cardinals. It's good for baseball. It's just good to see, man. And it's so cool. Like you, like the way, like uh, Wainwright threw a ball in the dirt. Yachty picked it. Wainwright's like, "Attaboy, Yachty!" Like Wainwright makes a pitch. Yachty, "Attaboy, Waino!" Like I was like, dude, these guys are like nonstop, and you can tell like <laughs> that, like I, I believe when someone, I think at one point someone was like, "Hey, like Yachty doesn't even like." Yachty would just tell like Wainwright, like, hey, like, I know what you want to throw. Like, just throw it. Like, it's okay. Throw it. I got it. And he wouldn't give no signs. Like, I believe that, man. Like, and like the 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 connection between them was like, it was just really cool, man. Honestly. You could just it, it felt like it was just like boom, boom, boom. They were just going back and forth, back and forth. So it was really cool. They're approaching the MLB record for most starts by a pitcher, catcher, battery, all time. So hopefully they get it by the end of the year. How much? How many? How many do they need? Uh, they the the game against the Yankees was number three eighteen, and the record is three twenty four. So oh yeah, yeah. You know, both guys gonna hit just that. hopefully stay healthy and and yeah, they can yeah. uh, they can get that by the end of the year. For sure, for sure, man. That'd be awesome. Jose, this Yankees team just uh, recently out of the trade deadline. So the group that is going to be there competing, trying to attain what you guys want to attain. It's there now in the clubhouse. This is the group that, that you're rolling with. What do, you, what do you make of the Yankees clubhouse right now with about a, a month and a half left in the regular season? Yeah, I mean, I, I look to my left, I look to my right, and I see a bunch of guys I want to win, man. A, a bunch of guys. You can go down, up and down the lineup. Um, and guys want to win. They want to compete. They want to be in those big spots. Um, I don't see any fear from anybody. Like, everybody that has come in has fit right in. And you can see in them that, like, yeah, we're here to win. Like, let's go win, you know. And at some sometimes, like, guys get traded over. They're kind of like, okay, like, let me watch, you know, watch my steps a little bit. Let me look around, you know, careful. Now these guys fit right in, man. And uh, you look around the clubhouse, and you got a bunch of, uh, in Boone's word, savages. Uh, that just want to compete, they want to win, they want to get after somebody that night, and and that's exciting to have, you know, to have, you know, a bunch of guys going against 
a team like that's that's what you want you want guys that are going to give their best effort every night and have a good attitude about it and, and roll with it and give everything they have jose this has been awesome i really appreciate you, you know you coming on with us um you know you you diving into the the beginning really as a toddler and and your upbringing your coming of age story as wanting to you know focus on baseball and Stay with that sharp focus. This is this has been terrific, David James. You guys have anything to uh, to add here as we wrap it up with Jose? Powder donuts are dry, man. They can get caught. I know. I hear you, and I feel you there. I know that one. I don't even touch them anymore. I don't even touch them. I don't even touch. Them. Oh man, that's that's the toughest snack to like go cold turkey on because those were good as kids. They are so awesome. good. I don't even get close to them. People always like, hey, look, you remember this? And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> awesome. Jose, thanks so much for the time and, and good luck the rest of this season, man. Appreciate you. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Much appreciated brother. Good job. Thank you. you know, David, Jose talking about the Yankees at the end there, and this is a, a pitching staff. that was really clicking on all facets for a better first three, three and a half months of this season and they were clicking on all facets as a team. It wasn't just pitching. But when you take a look at that pitching staff, you're seeing some of the leaks now in, in some of those facets. And now it's about repairing them, getting back on track. For Jose Trevino as the team's primary catcher, what role does he play in all that? What could he be doing from your standpoint as a former pitcher? What does the catcher play in that role? You know, when we had Matt Blake on before, he talked about his degrees. He had a psychiatry or psychology degree. I think catchers need that too as well. Some of the best work catchers do is in between starts and before starts and the preparation work and just reassuring pitchers who tend to be a flaky bunch. You know, I certainly know that firsthand. You know, it's a very Guilty. volatile position to play in all of professional sports. You get to play once a week. Your, your, week, your whole week can be ruined in five minutes in the first inning. We saw that with Garrett Cole, three home runs in about five minutes, and you're, you're like, what the heck hit me here? So, yes, catchers can bring you through that. They nurse you through that. They help you through it. They keep your confidence going. Sometimes it's just some reassuring words. Sometimes it's calling signals, calling the right games. We saw that dynamic in the, in the All-Star game, which is what fascinated me. It's sort of that dance between pitcher and catcher, and you guys have heard me talk about this quite a bit. Sometimes the catcher leads, sometimes the pitcher leads. And that dynamic back and forth is everything for pitchers. And catchers being able to read that body language and understanding, hey, this guy needs some help. Let me take control of the signal calling. This is what you need to throw right now because your other pitches aren't working or this pitch you think is good is not really good right now. That's how you weather the storms. That's how you get them through the tough times. And Joe Girardi was the best for me. You know, he would take over and the, just the way he would give signals would, would send a message to me. Or if I stared at him, then he would read my body language and say, wait a minute, he wants to go a different direction. That back and forth dynamic is everything for pitchers and catchers. And Jose Trevino is the guy who's leading that in that clubhouse. And that's the most important role he can play is reading those signals, reading those sequences and be able to being able to make those adjustments. I think for a career season that he's having, this is another point where he can distinguish himself as a top-notch catcher, like you're talking about, the catcher's role in guiding a pitching staff through adversity. I think we can even learn more about Jose Trevino in the coming weeks or at least through the end of the regular season. So 
it's uh there's still reasons to watch the Yankees people are thinking oh they're 30 plus games over 500 but I mean it's a tight race with the Astros they're going through some lulls after building up a very big lead and right now it's about how they're going to try and repair some of those leaks and Trevino is going to be playing a big role in that for sure all right this week in pitching history James what do you have for us all right, guys, uh, August 10th, 1995, 27 years ago, Wednesday, the wrong kind of pitching ball night at Dodger stadium goes terribly awry over 53,000 fans in attendance for the souvenir baseball giveaway. And it's a tight game between the Dodgers and the Cardinals. The game was briefly delayed in the seventh inning when some fans threw their ball on the field. It's two, one Cardinals. With two on and two out in the eighth, Eric Karos gets rung up on a call third strike to end the inning. He gets tossed. Fans are getting angry. Then in the ninth, Raul Mondesi leading off against Tom Hankey, great closer, 3-0 pitch, typical 3-0 strike. All right, maybe it's not a strike, but umpires always have the bigger zone on 3-0. Okay, the 3-1 pitch, you can look this up online. It was way outside, maybe a foot outside, a horrific call. It should have been a walk. It's strike two. Mondesi gets back in the box. There's chirping going on. He swings and misses at strike three. Mouths off to Jim Quick, the home plate umpire. Gets tossed. Tommy Lasorda comes out. He gets tossed. Then all hell breaks loose. Everybody starts throwing their baseballs down onto the field. Thousands of balls come into the field. Players get pulled off the field. Things eventually settle down. Then right when they're starting up again, some more baseballs come on, and that's when they pulled the plug, forfeiting the game to the Cardinals. And it was the most recent forfeit in MLB history, 1995. All the stats count. So Tom Hankey got a one-out save, and he said, hey, I got a save. I didn't even have to do anything. <laughs> and there has not been a, another ball night since, correct? Uh, I, I can't recall. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think that's happened ever since. <laughs> no, I'm not going to give you away baseballs. <laughs> no. So that, that's the reason why you don't see that on the souvenir giveaway, the, the promotion list fans. They're – there's a reason why you cannot have a souvenir baseball at a baseball game. Keep it in your pocket. Hey, all you men out there, is crotch discomfort hurting your game? Well, fear no more. The kings of crotch comfort, Manscaped, they have spent two long, hard, arduous years locked up in a lab designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. They are sleek, they are soft, they're flexible, and they are above all else comfortable it's the brand new boxers 2.0 from manscaped they will take your balls to the royal ball throne the global leaders in below the waist grooming also have the lawnmower 4.0 for the trimming so you can wear the boxers 2.0 for the chilling they even trademark the jewel pouch so you know it is serious i always say self-investment is the best thing you can do for yourself it is time that you invest in your family jewels so let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping by using our code SLAB, that's S-L-A-B, at manscaped.com. Here's what you get with the Lawnmower 4.0. Not only is it the best electric trimmer for below-the-waist grooming, it keeps on developing. This is a fourth-generation trimmer featuring a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology. It also is waterproof. It has a 400K LED spotlight that you are going to need for a more precise shave. And that leads to the boxers. They are a game changer. They have micro model fabric, which is so buttery soft and breathable. It keeps all your good stuff down there 
all cool. You could walk, you could run, you can strut. It doesn't matter. They have moisture wicking boxers that allow you to breathe without breaking a sweat. Be proud of your underwear and wear the Manscaped waistband with a badge of honor. Your balls deserve it. Get 20% off and free shipping with our code SLAB, S-L-A-B at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with our code SLAB at manscaped.com. Up your crotch game because once the boxers 2.0 touch your sack, you are never going to go back. All right, three up, three down, guys. Uh, James, let's begin with you here. What do you have? All right, uh, Jacob deGrom is back. Uh, you might have caught the game on Sunday against Atlanta when he had 12 strikeouts in five and two-thirds innings. The first 18 sliders he threw to the Braves that were swung at were missed. I, I haven't seen anything like it. He threw 20. There were 20 swings against his slider that day. The first 18 were whiffs. The next two were uh, Michael Harris, the second uh, foul balls. And then DeGrom struck him out with a fastball. So that's the kind of day it was for Jake. Uh, it's great to have him back on a big league mound. The game is better with Jacob DeGrom in it. Ridiculous stuff. I mean, he's throwing 95 and 96 mile an hour sliders. It was just another reminder in case you forgot how unbelievably talented this guy is. He's a cut above everybody else. 102 mile an hour fastballs, 96 mile an hour sliders. That's kind of all he needs, two pitches. Haven't seen that kind of dominance really since Dwight Gooden threw just fastball curveballs. The Lord, the Lord Charles curveball from Dwight Gooden back in his 24 and four season, still one of the all time greatest seasons in terms of war uh, by anybody in any era. So, yeah, I mean, that's when I think about what Jacob deGrom does, I think back to Dwight Gooden back when he was 19 and 20 years old, dominating the major leagues at a young age. Pitch for pitch, best in the game, and maybe the best of all time on a pitch-for-pitch basis. Seeing DeGrom shove like that makes me feel like we should have missed him more than we did when he was out for for over a year. It's just insane the way he performs right upon the start of his return to the big leagues. Uh, That that was a, a massive series for the Mets. What'd you think about them just kind of throwing their weight around and, and taking it to the Braves? Yeah, under under the radar moves they made at the trade deadline, even before Vogelbach, Naquin, uh, they have the perfect pieces in place for a Buck Showalter team. Buck Showalter can almost do sort of like a Gabe Kapler, San, San Francisco Giants uh, sort of a strategy in terms of platooning, pinch hitting at the right time, flipping lineups now. Uh, he can platoon Escobar at third now with Guillermo, Guillermo and uh, Guillermo. And uh, so, yeah, you got Naquin in the outfield now as a left-handed bat with some pop. So their pieces all of a sudden have really come together. And it looks like it's the perfect matchup for Buck Showalter because that's what he loves. He loves the buy-in. All these players buy into the philosophy that he wants, high-character guys and matching pieces that, that he can sort of flip throughout the game. Uh, and, and go as he wants, as he sees fit. All right, for three up, three down with me, I'm going with a, another team that was formerly led by Buck Showalter, and I'm going just with some sh- some love for the Baltimore Orioles because they are still above 500. I think a lot of people were seeing that Baltimore reached 500. They eclipsed 500. They thought, oh, it was an, a nice story, but is it going to last? Well, it is lasting, and – it's lasting after the trade deadline when they trade their all-star closer to the twins and Jorge Lopez. They trade Trey Mancini 
to the Houston Astros, who really was the heartbeat of that clubhouse. And guess what? They keep winning. They take it to the Blue Jays as it stands while we record here. Looking at the numbers, the standings, they are one game behind for the third wild card in the American League. They're a game and a half behind for the second wild card and just three behind Toronto for the top wild card spot. So if they can continue this and just make it interesting through the end of the season, it is going to be a remarkable story. And the coolest part, the fans are coming back out to Camden Yards. They're seeing it despite some of the moves that they made as sellers at the trade deadline. It, it feels like the group in the clubhouse is saying, all right, you're taking pieces away. Well, we're going to still find a way to get it done. And the, I feel like the fans recognize that and they're coming out and supporting them in droves. Now Camden Yards is alive again, and that's really good. It's really good. It shows you the depth of their bullpen. I mean, uh, Bautista was a closer in waiting. I mean, the Yankee fans know this. If you watch the Baltimore games where he comes in in the seventh or eighth inning, throwing a hundred miles an hour with a splitter yeah. off the table, uh, that kind of makes sense. Uh, the pieces they got back for Mancini and, and Lopez maybe fits into the long-term plan for them. They had to be a hard decision, but maybe the right one long-term. And it gives uh, some kids a chance to play too. Even though Mancini was the heart and soul of that team, he would have had to let him go for almost nothing if, if he just held on to him for this run or do you build for the long run? So yeah, I, I can see both sides of it, but yes, they are a great story at this point. Uh, they very much are in the thick of it. And they have more on the run, on the on the way. Their prospects on the way are still some of the best. We talked about Grayson Rodriguez. We had on our on our uh, podcast here one of the best, even though he had a little bit of a, a blip on the screen with injuries this year. But he's an ace in waiting, and they have some other pieces too that are on the way. Baltimore's heading, trending in the right direction. Huge stretch that has gotten underway for them. Blue Jays, Red Sox, Rays, Blue Jays, a big 10-game stretch. If they can make it through that, still in the race, look out. That's incredible to think with that schedule. They kind of control their own destiny a little bit in this, in this race for one of those three wild card spots. And, yeah, we were talking about, hey, look out for Baltimore, second half of the year. They're not going to be a pushover for these teams in the AL East. They're going to have these young pitchers up. They're doing it before they even promote these young studs. So, Good times are going to continue here for the Orioles moving forward. Uh, David, what do you have for us? Three up, three down. Well, I, I think, you know, just being in, in uh, on the West Coast and watching the, the Dodgers and Padres, to me, it's just that the Dodgers are, are back on top again. Um, and the, they're doing it in so many different ways. The overall depth of their roster, the overall depth of their farm system, uh, they deserve to be the top dog right now. I really, you know, earlier in the year, I was asked this question on Sunday Night Baseball about, by Boog Shambi, about who's the best team in baseball. It's the Dodgers, right? And I said, I'm not ready to say that yet because I, I think the Yankees deserve some credit, especially early in the year when they were starting to roll and Aaron Judge having the type of year that he's having. But I think at this point, you have to concede right now at the top of the power rankings are the Dodgers. Yeah, I think the Yankees will reassert themselves as, as they get healthy again and get Stanton and Rizzo back in the lineup, get their pitching sorted away through this little blip on the screen. But nonetheless, the top of the heap right now is the Dodgers. They're the team to beat. Couldn't say it better. They're on an incredible pace since uh, the, the middle to late June. They have the best record in the majors by far. And that NL West kind of put to bed here so they can concentrate on October looking ahead. And they're in a great position right now. They definitely have retaken the throne at this point in the season as the top dog in the big leagues. Um, 
great week, guys. Great episode. Had a lot of fun with Jose. Had a lot of fun yucking it up with you two. Anything, anything else before we, we call it a day? Let's get through the dog days right here. These are the dog days of summer of the Major League Baseball season. Kind of coincides with the Yankees and a little blip on their screen. Get through this part and uh, get off the West Coast. Get out of Seattle. Get back home. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, I'm interested with the Yankees is uh, with Matt Carpenter going on the, on the, the IL. Are we going to see some of the young kids yet? You know, a lot of the screaming for uh, Oswald Peraza coming up, getting a look at him. Is it going to be uh, Andujar again? Who are the September call-ups going to be? Um, even though you're limited in, the, in who you can call up roster-wise as opposed to years past. So there's not a lot of spots. Who do you call up? And do you get them up here before September 1st so they can potentially be on a playoff roster? I find that very interesting and in how they shake out their roster because Marinaccio's in the, in the minors right now. You need him back. He's going to be back. He's going to be part of your playoff roster in my mind. So uh, they, they've got some, some sorting out to do, the Yankees, and, and positioning themselves before the playoff roster has to be finalized the 1st of September. So pretty important next couple of weeks for uh, who comes up, who helps them, and then who do they see the, in, in the minor leagues that they can maybe help right now? Yes, aside from trying to repair just the consistency of playing clean baseball in all facets, they have a lot of questions in terms of roster construction as the weeks go by. So it's a really intriguing team to watch during the dog days. There's definitely a reason to watch as the long days are, are here and they have been long. So uh, that's going to do it here for this episode. Big thank you to Jose Trevino. Big thank you to our producer, Dan Rourke, for James Smythe, for David Cohn. I'm Justin Jackal. This has been Tone the Slab, pitching with David Cohn, a production of John Boy Media. We will talk to you next week, everybody. Take care.